Thanks so much for being with us as we discuss today's session on winning words. And our topic today is teamwork. Hope you enjoy the podcast. As a coach of 35 years, teamwork is something that I worked on every day in coaching. There was always a way to build a better team. And my role, my job as a head coach was to help to build the best team possible with the players and assistant coaches that I have. Teamwork, by definition, is the combined actions of a group, especially when effective and efficient. Not all teams are effective. Not all teams are efficient. Not all organizations are effective, nor are they efficient. But teamwork, effective teamwork and efficient teamwork is what we're after. It's what you're after. Another definition is teamwork is the collaborative effort to achieve a common goal or complete a task. Keyword there is collaborative, which means we're collaborating. We're bringing people together. We're depending on one another. We're playing off the strengths of everyone on the team. We're not just riding the shoulders of one player. The last definition I've used for years is teamwork is a situation where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Let me give you some expressions about team. Many of these, maybe all of these you've heard before, but when you watch a competition, for example, whether it's in person or you watch a game on TV, a sporting event on TV, how many times have you heard players or coaches say this? They'll say, the best team won. Or they'll say, our team came together. We love one another. We sacrificed for the team. We wanted it more. We believed in one another. All of those expressions are spoken in moments of exhilaration, expressing joy and excitement about how well the team did. Teamwork, however, goes far beyond athletics. Let me give an example in, in difficult situations. So let's talk about hospital care. Let's talk about doctor care, nursing care. So visualize you're a patient and you've got a doctor and the doctor says, we need to put you in the hospital. Maybe it's for a surgery. Maybe it's for an illness. I would suspect that you probably never thought about the teamwork that's necessary. But let me take you through a day in the life of a hospital and the day in the life of all the people that are responsible for your care once you get that hospital. Think about this. In the course of 24 hours when you're in that hospital, there's likely to be three different shifts of nurses and nurses' aides, all of which have to function as a team in order for you to get the kind of care that you need. Communication between the shift that opens your day and the shift that comes on partway through your day, and then there's a shift that comes on late at night and works through the night. But if there's not effective communication about what your vital signs have been and what your medication is or are, 
All of that takes teamwork and communication and decisions have to be made by that middle part of your day, the care you're getting that, those decisions are dependent upon how you respond in the first part of the day. And in the middle of the night, someone's making a decisions about your medication. What's the right medication? How much? And then enter into it, the doctor, that's your caregiver, who you depend upon to guide this entire process. There may be one or two other doctors that stop in and see you because they do rounds, so to speak. They're the person that stops by to see how you're doing. So when we look at teamwork, it goes far beyond athletics. It goes into things like healthcare, things like the assembly line of a car. There are literally tens of people who assemble a car. The person who puts the wheels on the car in an assembly line may never see the person who installs the seats in the car. And yet when that car comes off the assembly line, it goes to a dealership to be sold. That car needs to be totally well put together and ready for sale. It's taken lots of different people collaboratively to build that car. Teamwork. Today, I have a guest to help us discuss more and learn more about teamwork. I've got with me Doug Burton, a friend who at an early age, my sense is, learned about teamwork. Before we get there, Doug is the owner of Vision Service Group, VSG, very successful marketing firm. And I've watched Doug over the years, not only in the athletic field and in coaching, but also I look from a distance, so to speak, at your company. And my sense is you operate this too as a team. Doug, thanks for being with us. And thanks so much. You're the perfect guy to weigh in on not only have been a part of successful teams at Pacific Lutheran University and playing for your father in Oregon, but to take what you've learned and apply it to the business culture. So admirable. So let's weigh in on... uh, you know, what you're currently doing, and I noticed that you sign, for example, your little notes that you send and your uh, your closing to your emails always says Doug Burton, head coach, which to me denotes yeah. there's a team because you don't need a head coach if you don't have a team. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to everybody about your team at VSG. Yeah. You know, I think the, the title of head coach is uh, truly not by coincidence when you look at kind of my upbringing and what I've been around my entire life. Uh, Some of the most significant influence I've had in my life are from coaches. Uh, It started with my dad. My dad was my uh, head football coach in high school. Uh, As I graduated and went on to play college football, Frosty Westering, kind of a legendary uh, football coach, was my mentor and friend and coach in college. I had an opportunity to coach for this uh, this guy, Ross Gelseth here. We've had a little bit of reps together on the coaching sideline, so right. serving underneath you as a head coach. And, and really the point is that head coaches and athletics and teams have been just a, a huge part of the influence in my life. So when I thought about what do I want to be as a leader, what do I aspire to be, yeah. that model of head coach and the influence and the impact that they can have on people, not just in in the athletic arena or the business world, but just in life in general. And so I think that's been a mantra that that I've always just tried to aspire to. So 
in this role as head coach, having been one for a long time, the head coach is responsible for a lot of things, but let's simplistically look at it and say, the head coach is in charge of vision. He's in charge of the coaching. He's in charge of the staff. He helps helps build the players into a team. So when you do your work now at VSG, and your impact has been felt around the world with some of your efforts, your team's efforts. Talk to the people about teamwork in the business culture, in a successful culture, and why team is so important. Yeah. I think there's two things as I, as I think about team and what I've learned uh, and what my role is as a head coach. And I think the first one is, is creating culture. You touched on it a little bit is uh, defining what your organization is going to be about. What are our core values? What do we stand for? What is our, uh, what's our playbook? You know, what, are, what is our business model? All of those things remind me, uh, simplistically, you're building the framework. Yeah. You've got to have a framework for success. Yeah. And each of those pieces are a part of building right. process as well. Continue on. So I so said, I think the, the leader, my job is to one, establish culture about what we're going to be about and train folks to understand what that culture is and how they're going to operate within that. Um, and, and really, that's my biggest job. And then I would say the second piece of it is finding individuals that, first of all, fit within that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, in the business world, when you're paying for someone to be on your team, um, I would say it's easy, and I see a lot of times people sacrifice talent over culture. Hey, they're really good at what they do, so we'll marginalize their contributions to culture. And I've learned that, and I've made that mistake before, and you've probably easy made that. To do. Yeah, easy I made to that do. mistake yeah, exactly. on the football field yeah. as well. Of, and what I've found is that the consequences of allowing someone to survive just on talent when they don't fit into culture when they're not willing to, to have a mindset that they're going to be a part of something bigger than themselves, for the long haul, the organization suffers. And so I think my job is to create culture. I think the huge piece of that is to model culture. So if I, if I talk about it, if I say this is our core values and they're not looking to me to live those things out, um, then I'm sunk. You've got to be a living proof of exactly what you want that culture to be. So give us an example of that. You're the owner, you're the head coach, but behind the scenes, what are some of the little things that the head coach does that maybe the team notices, but you can't take a chance on them not being done? What would an example of a couple of little things? Um, Are you cleaning up the office at the end of the night? Are you choosing the color on the walls? Yeah. Here's a funny story. I was, uh, we're sitting here right above the VSG offices and, uh, one afternoon I stepped outside of my office to take a phone call and the phone call was over and I looked around and, you know, we're in the downtown Tacoma area. And so there was lots of garbage. And so just instinctively, I was walking around picking up garbage. And so I had a, uh, you know, a couple handfuls of garbage and, and a, a guy walks across the street and he says, Hey, I don't know if you know me. I want to introduce myself. I own the property next door and you look like you're an owner. And it was funny in that an owner to an owner, yeah, he recognized yeah, the fact yeah, yeah. that that I was willing to go out there and pick up the trash. So I think that those are the types of things though that that behind the scenes our staff doesn't know what that what really that means. And I think when you create culture though, when they see your willingness to do that, um, 
it's sure easy to ask someone to do something when they know that you're willing to do it first and have already done it. It's a big deal. It's one thing to create framework, but that's another thing to do the little things to keep the frame in place. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, your early years. Uh, you mentioned playing for your father. Yeah. You talk about Frosty Westring. The two of those men are different, and yet there is a similarity. And that is, yeah, they're, they're quite different. <laughs> That's for sure. But, knowing both. Yeah. But, uh, the similarity at, from my viewpoint, both of them long-term successful. Your dad is a legend in the state of Oregon in high school coaching, both in wrestling and in football. Frosty Westering, a legend. Both of them had their tenure at a school. Okay, talk to us about what you learned about teamwork from Ed Burton. So I, I got to first of all preface this by saying my dad is my hero. Mm -hmm. I, um, he should be. Yeah, yeah, I just from a... You know, there is, there is not a human being on this earth that would give himself away for someone else. Um, you know, as a 50-year-old guy, I can't count how many times my father brought a kid home who had had a rough circumstances or uh, something was bad was happening in his life. And dad would say, okay, kids, um, hey, uh, make room because so-and-so is going to come and be in the house. And so there's just not someone that is willing to give away self. It's uncommon. To serve. Yeah, uncommon. just and just do it in a practical way. It's who he lives his life, or how he lives his life to this day. Um, so that model. Now, now, Dad did it a little bit differently than most. And I, and I laugh about team. And I was thinking about my dad in the context of team. And Dad took it, he kicked it up a notch a little bit. And, and Dad actually even created um, what he called a brotherhood. Um, but for him, team was way deeper, um, or brotherhood was way deeper than team. Mm -hmm. And when there was a brotherhood, obviously you had the same dynamics of team, yeah. but you'd fight for each other. And man, I tell you what, at Oregon City High School, if you crossed one of those players, you were going to fight all 100. And, and I say that not just figuratively, there was a literal piece of that. And so for him, it was when you were part of a team, when you were part of family, um, you would treat those folks as brothers. And so there was a depth of that uh, that really endeared people. They would fight for each other and for, you know, for the team. Yeah, I, I think for our audience, um, something you just said connects for me. And that is, you know, we, we want to build a strong team, but part of building strong team is building appreciation for the brothers or the sisters, whatever it is. And there's no better example of teamwork than family. Yeah. Family that understands team is a family that functions well together, but there has to be an appreciation on the part of the father for the mother. Children will not love their mother if they don't see their dad love their mother. So your dad was very intentional about helping one player understand that the other players so important right. continue right. on yeah. well i think that even carries over into team today and that you know with the vsg staff i i have folks that have total different worldviews than i do they have different age there's there's a span of age and i think the the longer i've been in the game the more that i realize that's a cool thing and that actually makes teams yeah, diversity is a strength right. yeah i 
I will say when I've gotten to the spot where my I can set my pride aside and say, teach me something that I get the benefit of learning from people that have a different perspective, a different view, a different mm. season of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that makes teams stronger. Um, I think one of the things that, that being a head coach is also about that fans team is I, I talk about superpowers and, and how do I, and you do this as a coach, mm-hmm. how do you find people's talents and what their passions are and how they do that? Mm-hmm. And the more times that we as a coach can put those, put those people in those spots to be successful with where their superpowers are, man, great stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, for the me as a player- Getting the right people on the bus, then more importantly, getting in the right seats in yeah, the bus. Absolutely. Yeah. I just remember as a player when there was those times that I was asked to do things that maybe talent-wise or skill set-wise or matchup-wise that I was stretched. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was hard, you know, I, uh, but when they could align and I could understand my role, mm-hmm. uh, I could be successful within that role. I wasn't asked consistently to do something that, that I just didn't have the skill sets to be able to do. And so one of my jobs is to help our staff understand what their superpowers are um, put them in spots to be successful and then get out of their way and cheer them on to, to do that and be okay with that. Um, so, you know, as a head coach, create culture, get the right people on the bus, as my friend Ross would say, and then cheer them on to be successful when they're operating within their superpowers. Um, let's talk about Frosty Westering. What a great uh, man, great coach, great mentor to his players. I mean, I we moved to Tacoma in 1985 and uh, had never lived here, had limited awareness of the Pacific Northwest, yeah. new guy in town, but I wasn't here but a couple of days and people talked to me about Frosty Westering. Yeah. And you had the pleasure of playing for Frosty. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from Frosty about teamwork? Because that guy was, in my opinion, you know, I coached in the same league as him for nine years. Yeah. And I look at his talent and I would say, did he have the best talent? I, Why are you looking at me when you said I, that? I, I, I'm trying to keep focused <laughs> on this conversation. I, <laughs> I know I was not a threat in your scouting report. Let's just call it for what it is. I'm, what I'm was good your with name it. Again? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Frosty. Yeah. Teamwork. Yeah. Because at least from my vantage point, Doug, he got the most out of his team. Yeah, for sure. And sure. how did he do it? Yeah. So there's a couple things. I, I will say this. I had the the opportunity to play for four full years at PLU. I was there for four and a half. Uh, but I came in. I, I played a year down in California and transferred in. So I missed a season that would have been my redshirt year. Okay. Uh, and I remember coming in to culture. And I had been in a tough spot. It was a uh, really a bad football experience my first year. Mm-hmm. And, and I came in to a culture that just seems surreal um, in the way that- So entirely different. Just entirely different. And Frosty taught a model of there is no fear in love. Um, We're gonna be our own best self. I mean, it it was about team and there was no I in team. We all had the same name on the back of our jerseys and uh, Frosty, some of the funny things you talk about culture, we were a white sock team and a white shoe team. And this wasn't, you you didn't wear black shoes or black socks because that would made you different. So even down to the, the, a uniform we put on as we walked out. And I remember Frosty would have this expression and unfortunately, Ross, I was on the receiving end of it a few times, but he would say something like, Doug, that may be you, Doug, but that's not us. Mm-hmm. And what he would that say was- That may be you, but it's but that's not, not us. us. 
And so that individual paying attention or making it about you, even, man, I'll tell you what, you wanted to find the bench quickly, score a touchdown and put your finger up or draw attention to yourself. You could celebrate and party like crazy, but it better be with your teammates in the end zone. And you better not be drawing attention to yourself because you'd find a seat next to him on the bench pretty quickly. So for him, it was was culture. But again, he was building the framework, expectations. This was the culture he wanted within that team. And players learned that culture and became that culture. I think there was a a story for me that was probably the most impactful. And I look at this guy as a legend. And uh, I remember coming into uh, my next last couple of years at PLU. And and I remember uh, winning the starting job. It was the first year I was going to be a starter. And I remember I replaced a guy that was a senior. Um, We were battling for the job. And and he was going to uh, kind of take a back seat and not get much playing time. Okay. And I remember that guy and the way that he approached it. And it was because of the culture that Frosty had created. It was when, when the starting lineup gets announced and it's not him and he's in his last year, his attitude was absolutely, it absolutely blew me away. Mm-hmm. And he immediately moved into a role where we called it, Frosty called it, playing through your guy. And he was now an assistant coach and his job was to help me be successful on the field. So every time I came off the field, he was telling me what he saw, what, what adjustment he thought I should, should make or what route I should run differently or how they were playing me on defense. Um, he encouraged me and prayed with me before every single game. He was, he was a guy that was playing through me. And, and Ross, that, just that culture allowed me to to be free in the way that I played. I wasn't afraid of the guy behind me trying to to knock me down or to push me out. He immediately moved into a servant leader type of role um, in elevating me. And so that that culture allowed guys to play at a level that they they weren't afraid of making a mistake. They weren't, yeah, it was just, it was significant for me as a player. I can see the wisdom in that simply from the standpoint of if you think about the position he was in, he was used to playing, he was used to starting, and he gotten supposedly um, beaten out, for lack of a better term, okay? So it would be really easy if he wasn't coached within a culture, very easy for him to be, yeah, he's the backup, and he stands there, and when his time comes, he'll get a chance to play. Other than that, he's a backup, so he's nothing to do. But instead, he had a role to play, and his role was to help support the man that was ahead of him. Yeah. Profound. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, you just don't see that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's just yeah, not I our know. society that's, today. That's, but it impacted me for life. Very few yeah. people teach team to that level. Yeah. 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 And yeah. demand it. It's not just it's not just teaching it, but if uh, I, there were there were it was clear every single year, Ross, you would have guys came into that program where you knew didn't matter what talent you have, yeah. that they were going to get the talk of that may be you, but that's not us. Yeah. And they just didn't fit. And so what happened was, is they came in mm-hmm. and the culture phased them out. Yeah. They didn't fit. And they, most of the time, just moved on. They just drifted off because that wasn't them. But the culture never compromised. Uh, and that's what made it powerful. The other thing about the analogy about the seats on the bus. If, if you and I drove around Tacoma and we found buses right now, there'd be X number of seats yeah. on the bus. And one of the things I've learned about team is there's not a seat for everybody. Mm-hmm. You got X number of seats on that bus. Right. So you got to get the best people on, right. but there's not room for everybody. Yeah. And not everybody fits on a team bus. Right. And sometimes the tough call is who is it you can't right. have on the bus right. 
because that person sometimes prevents the team from coming together. Let's talk about, do you have a favorite Frosty story about teamwork? Let's talk about a game, for example, where Frosty was just at his very best at getting the team ready to play. Gosh, there's a a ton of Frosty stories. I would say it wasn't one particular game, but it was a, a thing that he did within our culture okay. um, that, so when, when you made a mistake, Frosty's, man, Frosty's uh, lesson was you better turn and acknowledge it and then flush it. So if you, if you got called for a penalty on the field, you had to turn to the sideline and find Frosty and you had to raise your hand. You know, so for a 20 something year old kid mm-hmm. in front of the crowd to turn and raise your hand and admit you made a mistake, it's kind of humbling, right? And sometimes you didn't think that you made a mistake. Of course, every athlete thinks that really wasn't on me and it was a wrong call. But what happened was, and if you didn't, you'd find a seat on the bench, right? Because Frosty wanted you to admit your mistake and flush it. That was part of culture. And move on, or you're going to continue to make mistakes. Well, what happened was, is if one guy was struggling, um, his teammates wanted to rally around him. So there were several times where one guy goes to raise his hand, but another guy raises his hand because he didn't want his buddy to be alone because he was struggling. So I remember one time standing in the we, we stand in the huddle, we run a play, there's a penalty called on us, and it's a it's at a bad time. And our buddy who was struggling raises his hand, but I look over and there's five other guys that have their hand raised. And it was hilarious in that it truly was team where we wanted to come alongside because this guy was struggling. And I just remember laughing going, where does that happen? That guys that are willing to do that. Um, And I just remember- There again, I mean, what your dad taught was that brotherhood, that appreciation for your brothers, your teammates. Well, what you're just describing now is very similar in that guys are willing to raise their hand for the sake of their teammate. Because they knew he had to raise his but they didn't want him to be the totally. only one raised. Yeah. And let's clarify, it was the penalty was not on me. I was not the one that should. <laughs> it probably was. Else, right? Yeah, it had to That's be somebody good. else. Let's talk about, uh, over the years, I've watched the people that you serve with Vision Service Group. And when you work with a client, large organizations, you're around the country, you're pouring into people, you're serving them, you're giving them insights, direction, strategies. But when it comes to teamwork, when you begin working with a client, talk to our audience about some of the, as you mentioned the word values earlier, but when you you enter into a relationship with a company, what do you notice about teamwork or areas that, Boy, you can feel it lacking. Totally. So two, two parts to the, the, the question. Uh, a lot of times when we uh, engage with organizations, uh, it's really clear that there are these divisions or silos within silos. our organization, right? You have the yeah. sales team, you have the operations team, the IT team, and uh, some organizations you clearly see you know, those operating in silos and there's not a culture that we're one, yeah. right? And a lot of times you can trace it back to the organization doesn't understand the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? What are we about? What are the core values? Those non-negotiables as an organization of what we're about. And so you see that and you can clearly um, attribute some of their lack of success or their inefficiencies on that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. 
right? They don't communicate well. They're competing across departments or divisions. They, they want to assign blame very quickly. Things that should be obvious that you wouldn't be doing. You wouldn't be yeah. blaming. You would be communicating. Totally. You would be sharing. Right. Yeah. And so you see that very clearly. And so, but, but on the contrast to that, there are some organizations where you can clearly understand that everybody on that, uh, everybody on the bus, everybody understands the why they know what they're trying to accomplish and everybody plays their role. Um, I would say one of the models that we've tried to create at BSG marketing is, and we say this in our, in our value prop, when we're talking with clients is we really want to be an extension of your team. Don't see us as a vendor. Don't see us as someone that's a threat, right? Or that's going to try to tell you how to do things. So um, when we assemble a team to work with a particular client, one, we're going to look at that same, who's the right fit, right? Who, who on our team for that team is going to fit? How can we best support you? Um, and we never do it alone. So I never send in a single person to support a client because I, there's strength in, in the power of our team. So every client's gonna have um, direct access to me as the head coach. Because if there's a problem, they wanna know that they can call me and, and the buck stops with me. They're gonna have someone else So if there's a problem. So I think one, we're gonna create an infrastructure where we serve as an extension of their team. It's the way that we contract with them. It's the way that we structure that relationship. Um, and then we're constantly doing checking, you know, check-ins with them. So. Um, I'll pick up the phone and say, how are we doing? How's our team performing? Um, I think one of the most enjoyable things that I do is calling a client and getting great feedback and then being so quick to pull our team in and go, hey, you are not gonna, you're not going to believe what our clients said about you and praising that team. So um, culture, it's, it's really a part of that. And, you know, this whole theme of this podcast series is winning words and how to influence others. And what you've just described right there is so powerful because you could be very busy as the owner of the business. You could be very focused on tomorrow and on other areas, but instead part of your culture here, part of you as the leader, as the head coach is to share the good news, take what you've received on the phone, use the time to walk down the hall, go to somebody and say, this is what I was just told about you. That is redemptive. That is powerful because those people will never forget that. And again, it's the use of words and how words can influence your employees that are on this team. Their team members, they grow as a team when you share those insights and you share the praise, you share the value proposition, so to speak. It's like like this uh, mentor of mine that is amazing at, at writing notes. Um, I think that's something, Ross, as a, as a coach and a leader and a mentor in my life, the power of your words. Uh, I've got a stack of notes from Ross Jelseth. And, and I know it probably only took you a few minutes to write it, right? It, it wasn't the, but it was the fact that you took time to speak life, to speak winning words into someone else. Um, I, I love that. I think when you speak life into people and you do that and, and you've modeled that tremendously, Frosty was wonderful at that. You know, I have a note from that player that I told you about that was my backup mm-hmm. that I keep in my desk to this day, some 30 years later. And in it talked about how he excited he was to be able to, to watch my success and to be able to be a part of that. And that's changed my life forever. So. 
I he think, learned. He learned that. Oh man, he learned that. Yeah, from, yeah clearly from Frosty. Yeah, yeah, clearly. So, well, I appreciate very much you being with us, and I appreciate you know I watch your influence, and you know you as the head coach, but I watch your team here, but I also look at the the, the organizations that you're impacting around this country and around the world, and I and I believe what you're doing in terms of promoting team, creating team, creating culture, be mindful of it. Uh, God is blessing it, and the people that you're serving are being blessed with it as well. So God's best to you. Thanks so very much for being a part of this. This has been powerful. I knew exactly what we needed out of this teamwork, and you provided it. It's great. Thank you, friend. Yeah, great. I want to tell you a quick story about one of my favorite teams. I had 18 years as a college football coach and 17 years as a high school football coach and lots of great memories. But a team that I'll never forget... I don't know if I'll forget any of them, but the 2007 Life Christian Academy team is a team that I've always remembered. And let me give you the Cliff Notes version of the backdrop. The 2006 team at Life Christian Academy had finished third in the state. And that team had a lot of what we call skill players that were really good. We had a high-quality quarterback. We had receivers. We had a solid running back. That team could move the football. And at the same time, they played good defense. They finished third in the state. Well, off of that team, we graduated a significant number of those skilled players, most all of them. So we prepare for the 2007 group. This team doesn't have the experience at the skilled positions. In fact, it was almost all brand new. So going into that season, we didn't know for sure how good we would be. But here's the essence of teamwork. We never, as a coaching staff, put limits on how good we thought that team could be. We never once said, well, we don't expect you people to be as good. We don't expect 11 wins this fall. We helped that team develop. And that team was actually a stronger unit collaboratively. They worked harder together. And powerful statement, they did not have any concern about who got the glory, so to speak. They were only concerned about the outcome and playing well together. The 2017 went through the regular season, qualified for the postseason. You know where they finished? They finished in the exact same place as the 2016, third in state. We had two consecutive years of finishing third in the state playoffs. The 2017 did it on teamwork and unity and working hard. And most importantly, they believed in team. It's one of my favorite analogies, favorite memories of coaching. Couple of sayings, Harry Truman, our former president said this, it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. Isn't that the essence of teamwork? If we're all willing to work at it together and not be concerned about I or me, we can accomplish great things. Harry Truman. One more, Dave Miller. Head football coach at Lakes High School here in the Greater Tacoma Communities. Been there a long time, was recently inducted into the WIAA and the Washington State Coaches Hall of Fame. 
a simple but powerful statement. We are better when we work together. And Dave has created a legacy of successful teams at Lakes High School. We are better when we work together. Thanks for being with us today. And remember, team works.